Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just Schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible. Today we get to learn from friends from Canada, Vicki Nolan and Lisa Conlon. They are doing some really fascinating work with their students around culture of care and belonging. So listen for some of the unique ways that are doing that, that are making some tangible differences for them. And then they also have some interesting observations on the difference between Canadian and U.S. schools at the end. So be sure to listen to the lightning round. So today we are here with two of our favorite people at the Baylor Center for School Leadership. Eric Ellison says this is one of his favorite teams he's worked with this past year in our network. So we have with us Vicki Nolan and Lisa Conlon at King's Christian out of Canada. They are doing some fascinating work that we talk about in the book just teaching feedback, engagement, and well-being. We talk about it as engagement, but in some ways they've combined well-being and engagement in this culture of care that they do that serves their students well, and they're seeing some interesting progress. So first of all, Vicki and Lisa, great to have you with us. And then if you can jump in and tell us a little bit about the culture of care and what you all are building at King's Christian, that would be great. All right. Thank you for having us. Uh, We're going to do our best to communicate what we're so excited to be doing at King's, but um, last year, we partnered with somebody who helped us design a model for school, something that we could really use as a foundation to increase really our students' sense of well-being and then ultimately their ability to contribute to the goodness of God's kingdom. And so when we came down to Baylor in June, we worked on what that looks like and how we can roll it out. And what we've been working on is implementing some of our ideas, but really through experiences with our students that they get to be involved in. Yeah, I love that. And, and and talk a little bit about that. Maybe Lisa, you can jump in and talk about how you've built that with students. I think this is one of the challenges, at least in U.S. schools. Sometimes we make a lot of really interesting plans with teachers and administrators, ideally. Hopefully, it's not just administrators making the plans. But when you can layer in student voice into that and student influence, that seems to take things to the next level. So talk a little bit about how you've built that culture of care around that adaptive challenge with students. Sure. So the reason we chose the phrase culture of care is because um, when families came to our school to inquire about admissions, we we kept asking, how did you hear about Kings? And the feedback we almost unanimously heard was that we hear your teachers really care. And we, we really are attracted to a culture where the teachers really care. And so we we decided to listen more to where our students and our staff were noticing impact in terms of leadership. So we, we began this process of listening and serving our staff and students so that we could align our language and hopefully deepen our impact in our students. And uh, one of the other reasons that we decided to launch into this is because we hit some discipline situations where students said, oh, I really knew better. And parents would respond to, wow, I know this is not the way my student normally would act. My child knows better. And so we 
we really wanted to help equip students to lead themselves well and also become more uh, skilled at leading others well. So our process was working with Ellen Duffield and she um, she helped us facilitate surveys and listening circles with students to talk about um, where they found we needed to invest more with the students in skill building and how um, how we could build upon some of our strengths. Yeah. So what would you say some of the core tenets of your culture of care are? If you were to say, hey, these are the three things that are distinctive about what you all are doing. I don't know. Is that something you can articulate or is it more complicated than that? Yeah. So phrases that would be normal for Kings are we operate with deep mutual respect and we, we solve problems with people, not just policies. We try to ensure that we listen to understand when there are difficulties. And if there's situations that land in the category of discipline, we, we really try to coach students and to disciple them through a process of, of making, um, making restoration and ensuring that good learning happens from our mistakes. We're all human. We all make mistakes. And we want to uh, make sure that the students journey with us, partner with us, rather than having a power dynamic of um, this is what you did. This is what's going to happen to you. I know that whenever Lisa starts conversation with students and something's happened, I think you often start with what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? How do you want to be known at King's? And that's the starting point. This one incident is not going to define you. We're going to get back to how you want to be known at King's. I love the question of what's going on because it implies that it's more than just a behavior that's being done to someone else. There's a reason undergirding that. And so is that always been something that's been in the ethos of King's or is that something that you're working to change? And I guess the follow-up to that is, is this something that everybody at King's is doing? Or is this something that you have some people doing well, others people not doing as well? Or is this really part and parcel of what King's has always been or what you aspire to be? As long as I've been around at King's, uh, which has been since 2003, uh, two years after it started, I've always heard that term, deep respect. And then the language of care came to be, again, through the feedback that we were hearing um, from from prospective parents and families who are considering King. So we, we took note of that and we sought to understand it more and build upon it because it, we have a, a wonderful staff at King's where um, they're really competent, but also just, just so caring. I had a, I had a parent leaving the office today and she was in, she was teary. I said, Oh, tell me what's behind the tears. And she said, well, I'm just, I'm kind of sad right now because my son is in his fourth and final year and we're about to be, um, we're about to end our journey with Kings. They're being Kings parents. And she said, Kings has just been through and through the representation of Christianity that we would wish for, for our, our children. And she's just been so touched by, um, she gave examples of teachers, but also she said, and, and even this morning I walked into the building and one of your students stopped waited for me and held the door open. And it's a small thing, but it's more and more rare in today's world. So she she just really helped me be grateful for what we have right here in front of us and the character that's been formed. And I would say since the inception of Kings, we wanted to not have an institutional feel. The founding principal, Jim Vanderkoy, 
um, he actually, in my interview with him, or when I, when I was being interviewed, I should say, he told me that he wanted Kings to offer a piece of heaven on earth. And so with that kind of inspiring vision to start a school, you can see the ripple effects and how that's a very attractive vision to live into. And Vicki, how do you see that playing out? I'm assuming you haven't been there since uh, 2003, or maybe you have been. (laughs) But uh, when did you enter into this, and and how do you see that playing out? So I started here in 2014, and I think that it's one way I really see is actually how our staff care for our staff. And I think that that has major ripple effects outwards. Um, I think when your staff feel loved, and that's everybody, every staff member in the building, not just a teacher, not just um, a secretary, not just student services, not just our director of facilities and everyone that helps keep our school looking so nice. But um, when people take care of people, it fills people up and then they have more to give others. Um, so if we have a staff member who is sick or maybe their child or spouse is sick, there's a rallying around that person. And I think just knowing that people care about who you are and not what you do. I think that that, I think that's kind of being the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we see it in each other, it's easier to be that with our students too and lead them towards that action. Yes. So we always say flourishing people lead flourishing communities. And so you have to care well for one another and yourself. Otherwise you can't meet the needs of others. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of seeing whole people, not just in your students, but in the peers that you work with and the teachers and administrators. And that seems to be flowing out in some pretty powerful ways. So I want to connect this back to the work that you did with the adaptive challenge and the tools you walked through, through last year's Academy where we take improvement science tools and bring them to bear on collecting evidence that what you're doing actually has an impact. Because what you're talking about is a very human endeavor. It's very relational. And so a lot of people would see that as running kind of counter or not being supported by improvement science, which sounds like something that's cold and clinical. So I'm curious to see how that adaptive challenge work of last summer accelerated or deepened some of this very human culture of care that you've, you've created. So uh, where was that helpful? How did that move things forward for you all? That, that was a, a set, first of all, such a great experience for our team that went down and we worked exceptionally hard while we were down there. We had a ton of fun, but we worked really hard. And something that came out of it is that we, wanted to create this culture of belonging and we wanted to create events for our students where they could experience that feeling. What was neat is we have done a survey since then. It was just three simple questions given to us by Eric Ellison. In fact, uh, do you have a teacher? A teacher knows me well. I have one good friend at King's and I feel valued at King's. And so we collected responses. We've got 560 responses from our 650 students. So a really good response rate. And then we looked at the data. And then I followed up with some of the students that strongly disagreed or disagreed. And what was so interesting, first of all, many students were like, oh, I just read the question wrong. I didn't understand. Okay. And then other students wanting, just being able to express that it's actually a roadblock that they're experiencing internally, but that in class, they have teachers who are willing to share stories with them just be a little bit vulnerable. And it's that vulnerability that opens up safety for them and makes them feel like then they can be vulnerable. They can let their guard down. So 
I think it's a quote from your book that the work that we're doing is probably wrong and definitely incomplete or <laughs> definitely incomplete and probably wrong. And that's, uh, yeah, I will definitely take credit for that, but it's actually Tony Bright, page 79 of Learning to Improve. <laughs> uh, the work we're doing is possibly wrong and definitely incomplete, which sounds kind of daunting and, and discouraging, but in the end, it's completely freeing. So maybe talk about why that, and I, I quote it so much, I, I can see why you would attribute it to me, and I, uh, but I am not anywhere near as brilliant as Tony Bright is, but I appreciate any connection there. So go, go ahead. How, how have you seen that playing? Has that been discouraging or encouraging in your work? Oh, so encouraging because to me, it's let's keep going forward on this. And I like the, I like the science. I like collecting some data and having something to jump off of. I like to see that we're improving. I like to see that we're having meaningful impact. And I think the reason why I find that encouraging is that And I would say this to students too, just because it's not exactly how you wanted it to go doesn't mean you stop. You go back to your vision for us, culture of care, creating a culture of belonging, and then you keep going forward. So overwhelmingly, our students feel loved. They feel like they belong. They feel like teachers know them. That's great. And what more can we do to keep that ball rolling? That's so that's so helpful. And I love that perspective because we're always improving. Everyone wants to improve. I think it's an innate gift from our creator that we want to have a purpose and we want to get better. And yeah. so it's just a matter of coming alongside each other and our students to do that. So give me a few uh, quick wins or things that you've seen where even maybe it's in the data, the three, I love the three questions that Eric gave you. Where are you seeing progress, growth, Lisa described this has been around for 20 years that this culture really of care is there. And now you're digging deeper into belonging. Where are you seeing some wins? And then maybe think about what's, what are your next steps? What do you hope for next? Yeah, I think you should tell the story. There is, um, we're trying to be <laughs> invitational um, with students um, developing their leadership skills. And so Vicky had secured a great facilitator and he got sick. And so Vicky brought her husband in and they facilitated and stuff. But there's that there's some nice feedback that you got from that first event in the leadership yeah. series. Oh man, it was so nice. It was kids. We so we just collected a little piece of paper, your classic exit ticket, like you do out of class. And what's something that stood out from you from this event? And it was things like, I now have a friend in a new grade, or I came with a friend and I know them deeper. And the whole premise was learning leadership through games. So it wasn't them sitting in a seminar. They were actively moving, doing things together. And then the one of the nicest pieces of feedback we got was a student who said, I now feel like I have the tools to start a conversation with somebody new. And if we have, if we can just help kids understand that they don't have to be scared to talk to new people and that they have a new tool in their belt that they can now engage someone new, whether that's somebody in their same grade or different grade, that's going to help our students, I pray, feel like they belong. And then I, again, hopefully forward feeding. Love it. I'll, I'll give another example. We are trying to be as experiential through this model as possible and to include student voice throughout wherever we can. So we ran a chapel where uh, we talked about kindness being a crucial ingredient uh, for belonging. And I'd, I'd posted a simple question to our student body, where have you seen kindness at Kings lately? And I was inundated with wonderful stories of kids who, um, <laughs> who were helping each other with homework, who, um, who were 
helping clean take garbage that had been left behind in the cafeteria and various other very simple stories that promote the positivity uh, that uh, is needed when you're receiving belonging and investing in belonging. But then we also asked, um, I also asked the students, where are their gaps in kindness? And it was a way for, for us to say, we're not a perfect uh, community. We are, we are, working to live well together, but there are some things we need to speak about. And so we could celebrate a lot of the great things, but then there was a openness and authenticity to sharing what are some ways that we need to really work together to contribute to uh, a, a better overall sense of belonging, whether it's our aggression sometimes, our language choices. We are far from a perfect community, but um, we we involved the students in both celebrating the goodness and identifying areas where we need to grow. I love that you started with the questions that you're asking because I was just listening to a podcast yesterday with Adam Grant and he was talking about the role of parents in asking students and asking their children questions because it teaches the, the child to question the same things. And so one of the questions that they started asking on a regular basis in, in the person being interviewed in Adam Grant's uh, family is, who have you helped today and who helped you? So instead of focusing on performance, how did you do on the test? How did you do in class? How did you do in the game? It's what characteristics do you want them looking for and listening for? And so who have you helped and who helped you? I think that creates that culture of belonging and care that we want in some pretty powerful ways. And then they also asked the hard question, which is a parent. I don't know if I'm, I, I did ask our kids, but I was a little, it was a little trepidation. What's something that I do that frustrates you? So <laughs> opening yourself up to that is, is challenging. And so, and they both gave some good feedback that was super helpful. And, and I could hear it because I'd asked for it and I'd primed myself to be able to receive it because, you know, I mean, I know looking back as a kid, there were all kinds of things adults did that kind of drove me crazy. So I'm excited for what's next for you all because you have students involved and you're asking these questions. And so even your examples give us a sense of where you're headed next. So this last part, I, I like to do this little lightning round thing. And so we haven't prepped these questions. So if you get stuck, it's fine. There's two of you. So maybe one of you will jump in right away. So kind of a one word to one sentence kind of answer. What would you say? And, and I just, I have to ask this first question in your observation, even in the time that you were down in uh, Texas, or it could be other experiences. What would you say the biggest difference is between Canadian and U.S. schools? I thought you were going to go food. I was going to say portion size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's definitely fair. Uh, especially in Texas. We take it to a whole new level. Everything's bigger here. So, um, but difference in schools, uh, portion size can be part of it, I guess. But what would you say is, uh, have you observed a, a big difference? I don't know, but I mean, we just had a representation, but I think um, for our particular school, we would say we just have a lot of diversity when it comes to what's the picture of faith and Christianity in the building. And maybe, maybe that's what stood out to me, at least in that context. What do you think? I was just going to say, I think we, we go with things really fast. Like, yeah, maybe so yeah. nimble. There's not a lot of <laughs> uh, wait time or bureaucracy. Okay. We do not have the credibility to answer that question. Yeah. Well, though, John, yeah. to be fair. No, but the, I just wanted your experience. So that's great. That's great. Next question. Worst piece of advice you've ever received as an educator? 
Um, my first year of teaching, I uh, had a lot. I had a very robust class. <laughs> That's not a very good word to describe the class. Very um, energetic. energetic. Thank you, Vicky. Uh, class and my, the teacher next door <laughs> must have uh, was trying to be helpful. He said, "You just need to, you just need to really yell at them one day and show them who's boss." Like, I will never do that. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll okay. use every other strategy. Good. What about you, Vicky? Any bad advice? Yeah, my teaching practicum, I was told to never fall behind schedule. I had a class oh. that was struggling with a grade 10 optics lesson. And so I took more time and I fell a half day behind and I just got roasted by my teaching person. And I was like, I'm not being a teacher. I'm, that's it. But I had wow. other people show me better examples. So that was the worst advice. Wow. Yes. Good. Just ignore the humans and stay on, <laughs> stay on track. That's stay on yeah. schedule. All right. Uh, what's the best advice you have for others coming out of, it can be out of your culture of care and belonging or, or anything else. Best piece of advice as an educator. As an achievement focused person, uh, people first. Ah, good. My, my best advice I ever got was loving firmness. Mm, love that. I call it the warm demander. Uh, I think that's, that's key. There was a term that I had read in an article in 2004 that stuck with me. So I think loving firmness is probably very similar. And then the last question for you, one word that you would use to describe Kings. Inspirational. Love it. I was going to say growing. Good. Hey, those are two good words. I love that. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I am all about on this podcast, highlighting the good work that's going on around the world. And so we've got one, an episode that uh, is going to have just aired before yours from Australia. I'm glad that we're able to bring in Canada, not that you represent all of Canada, but I love your perspective and I love what you're doing with the culture of care and belonging and the way you've brought students into it. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having us. Much appreciate it. I really love the thoughtfulness of Vicki and Lisa as they talked about students and their peers in ways that help acknowledge the humanity of the work that we do. And then the way they were able to integrate data and evidence collection into how they were doing that work and doing that well. Even when they're doing the work with students, they're still bringing students into the process that gets them to a culture of care and belonging. And how do we do that without actually inviting students into that work? So I hope you were encouraged by what they are doing and that you will have a great week in a profession that makes all others possible. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership. Join us for our Just Schools Academy this June, where we will use Dr. Eckert's book, Just Teaching, to do better work together. 